Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's David Afrin with the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast. You know, everyone's talking about how customers have changed. We know that. We're all customers, of course, all of us. Our behaviors, our wants and needs and expectations, it's all changed. So business, of course, needs to change as well. And that starts at the top, from the CEO or the owner, all the way down through middle management. Well, my guest today is Commander Mary Kelly. Not only has she led teams at the highest levels of business and the military, but she's an expert on leading future teams as well. She's a prolific author, University and Military Academy professor, Hall of Fame speaker, and one of my favorite people on the planet. We're talking future-proofing your organization by future-proofing your leadership. It's David Averin on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. Thanks for joining us on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. You might be listening on all of the different sites that we're doing audio, and the video version is on my website and on uh, and on YouTube as well. You want to do the video version because the lovely Doctor Commander Mary Kelly is with us today. Um, you know this this is a good day to talk leadership. You know these podcasts are a bit evergreen. Of course, they're they're hopefully good for years to go. So much going on in the world, in the world of business, in the world of politics and military, and leadership means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Let me read the quick um, bio for for Mary Kelly, and then we'll say hi officially. Mary is a graduate of the United States Naval Academy. Spent over 20 years on active duty in intelligence and logistics. Thank you for your service. She retired from the Navy as a commander. She's got a master's degree in history, a master's degree in economics, and a PhD in, uh, in economics as well. Very um, overeducated, but she is um, beyond brilliant. Over 20 years combined experience teaching at both the Naval Academy at Hawaii Pacific University. She's taught economics, finance, history, and management extensive experience in all aspects of business. She's the author of 15 books. Um, I have read several of those about business and economics. Her most recent book is Five Minutes Per Day, 52 Weeks to a Better Business, and the great book, Who Comes Next? Succession Leadership Planning Made Easy. She's been quoted in Wall Street Journal, Money Magazine, Mensa, Men's Magazine, thousands of additional uh, media outlets. There's 19 more pages of, of accolades for Dr. Mary Kelly, but we'll just say Thank you for joining us on the show today. Such a lovely introduction. And you know what? Your audience doesn't care about that at all. What they want to no. know is, do we have things today that will make a difference for their business moving into the future? And that's what a lot of my leaders are struggling with right now is what do they need to be paying attention to? What are the newest trends? What can they not pay attention to? And how do we manage the craziness of the uncertainty that we're all looking at right now? Well, here's the question. What's the catalyst? You know, everybody's struggling with different things, but there has to be, in most cases, some catalyst that says, I need help with this. 
Um, is, is, it, is, it, is it a challenge with competitors? Is it an internal challenge with employees? For those who reach out to you from a consulting perspective, from uh, the keynote speaking that you do and working with organizations, what are they experiencing that says, we need to bring in an expert on this? Well, a lot of times, as you know, David, I get brought in because people are losing. They're losing their employees. They're losing market share. They're losing their, their market place where they were that once revered organization that nobody could touch. Um, or they're losing their executives. So when they start to lose either people or market share or product dominance, that's when they call me because a lot of times it's not it's not always a bad thing. When your product when your products are shifting, that's not necessarily a bad thing if you're giving up right. a market share in one area to do something else. But they call me because of a sense of loss. And sometimes that sense of loss is they're wondering if they're going in the right direction. Am I doing things right? Am I I'm feeling really overwhelmed with everything I'm having to deal with and managing everybody else's issues. And am I doing it right? And I would assume in many cases, it's taking them off task, or at least what their perception of their tasks should be. But I like what you said before. Sometimes it's, it's opportunity. Uh, and just being able to make sure that the organization is well positioned for that opportunity. We've seen a lot of those changes during COVID as things have changed and we're emerging into sort of a new marketplace. Um, what is it, as we talk about sort of future-proofing, what do leaders get wrong? I mean, my God, we've been talking about this for, for 40, 50 years. Is, is it that what worked 10 years ago doesn't work today? Or is it that there's a whole new crop of leaders, and it's probably all of the above, who just didn't grow up with these kinds of skills? Well, until the you-know-what happened, and I try really hard not to name that which shall not be named, yeah. but we kind of... I'm going to say this, and this is going to be very controversial. And I don't mean it that way, but we kind of needed a wake-up call. We needed something to bap us in the head and go, hey, pay attention, because we had this lovely 10-year span of economic growth, and it just wasn't that hard to do pretty well. We were doing fine. We were doing, it was good. It was fine. Yeah. But all of a sudden, do you know what hit? And it took a big old spotlight and it put it right on our businesses. And all of a sudden you started to see the cracks in the foundation. You started to see areas where before it was good, it was fine, but it wasn't great. But we we're getting by because the status quo was frankly good enough and it's not anymore. And that's why the you know what was kind of a good thing for our businesses because it made us look very hard at every single thing. Everything's on the table. Everything is on the table for change. Our leaders looked, our leaders moved really quickly into the new reality. So they were like, got it, things sure. are shifting, got it. You know, we can put a Band-Aid fix on it, but that's not good enough. Okay, we can do this, but we're going to have to make changes. A lot of this is about embracing the change that we know needed to happen, but we kind of didn't want to, and our people didn't want to. This crisis gave us the urgency we needed to make the changes we needed to move into the future if we're going to be successful. Yeah, but you know, being successful and surviving during that which will not be named, um, I think in many cases exposed our vulnerabilities, right? And not every business model. I mean, if you did some manufacturing and you were able to use the P word and, and pivot into creating, you know, clear lucite barriers, you did pretty well, right, for a time. But that, that um, momentary shift, that reasonable accommodation didn't necessarily set people up for a successful future. What is it for those who are in the process or realizing that we really are in a new reality? What's your message? What do they need to do now that's different than what they had to do 20 years ago? A few things. 
the Lucite plastic things, that was a Band-Aid. That was a very short-term yeah. fix for a fairly short-term problem. Um, Hanes went from making underwear to making masks. Good for them. Again, a short-term problem. If I never buy another mask again, I'm going to be really, really happy. Super excited. Not, plan not planning on robbing a bank. Not Billy the Kid. I don't work in a hospital. I'm good if I never have to buy another mask. However, they responded very quickly to what the changing market needs were. And I think that's a great lesson for the rest of us. What are we doing to make sure that we're identifying the changing needs of our current and future customers? And you know this. I mean, you, you, you talk to people all the time about what their customers need and want. And what your customers need and want and what you're actually delivering is oftentimes a very different value. Yeah as you know. So what we have to do is as leaders, we have to look at the external forces that we didn't maybe have to pay attention to a few years ago. And we have to look at the external shocks, things that we can't control. Our supply chain is delayed. There's 107 ships right now doing donuts off the coast of Los Angeles, but there's 250 ships off the coast of Shanghai that can't get in to get things offloaded to bring stuff over. So we've got this big shipping, literally a shipping block that's happening right now. That's gonna take another year to fix. So if that's the case, what do we need to do to take care of our customers? And this is where the one of the big questions I want to ask my leaders to think about is what are we doing to take care of our customers? It's not just sell them stuff. It's not just get the stuff off the shelves and into their hands and take the money. It's how are we taking care of them so that they're getting the actual products and services they need when they need them from the right people instead of, I, I don't know, I was just at a, a large store that ends in Mart recently. And they said, did you find everything you needed? Well, I didn't, but it's not like I'm going to tell the cashier, well, no, you guys were out of this and this and this because they're going to go, oh, like there's nothing they can do about it. So why bother answer, asking right. the question? Nobody's, nobody's writing things down as part of the no. script. No, and I said, so I smiled nicely and said, yes. Now, so we're creating this, this surreal place where nobody's actually, nobody's giving me what I really wanted. I would have cheerfully spent another hundred dollars if they had the stuff that I wanted, but there was no good mechanism for me to convey that to the lovely cashier who looked like he'd been working there for about three days. Right. And he was completely baffled by half the things that I was purchasing anyway. So, you know, that's part of the aspect of it is we've got to make sure that we are delivering not just the things that our customers need now, but that our customers need moving into the future. And that means making sure we understand our target demographics, making sure we understand what we are differentiating ourselves by doing. Where do we want to be positioning ourselves for the future of the market? So on an organizational level, on a, on a more macro level, I think we understand that. We, we know who we're serving. We try. Let's get a little more micro. Talk to me about, about both lessons and behavior from leaders and those who they lead to help them bridge that gap. You know, we can have training manuals, we can have broad policies. What are some of the behavioral challenges that are really styming leaders today? A lot of people right now are being driven by fear and they are fearful that their people are leaving them and they won't be able to replace them. As a result, they're hiring anybody they can to just fill the place. And that is becoming a disaster because that person is now having frontline experiences with your customers and they're terrible at what they're doing. And that means your customers are going to go someplace else because there are options. There are still options. They're being driven by fear because they're not sure if they, if the strategy they had in place a year ago is applicable now and they haven't really looked at it. 
And they're driven by fear because they're hoping that what they're doing is going to make a difference. And in many cases, that hope is not a very good strategy either. So I think many leaders are operating by fear. They're wondering if their boards of directors are going to replace them as we see boards of directors just flying out of businesses yeah. left and right. And then when, you know, if you look at Starbucks, they brought back Howard Schultz. Well, wait a second. I don't even remember how long ago he retired, but it was a while ago and they brought him back because they didn't have anybody else who could step up. That to me is a leadership failure, not right. just on and the person. And a succession leader. problem too, isn't it? And a succession problem. Absolutely. So well, we can talk about that too, because I know yeah. you have a great book on that. Talk to me about, about when you were talking about sort of the frontline workers not being prepared, bad service. Are people just, you know, the any warm body thing, are they, are they reluctant to hold them accountable to standards for fear they're going to say screw this and and they're gone and then, and then what happens problem. talk yeah. to me about the cascading effect from that absolutely so first off it is an accountability problem so this is like you getting a brand new puppy oh wait or a kitten and you let that brand new little kitten like chew on your head and chew on your face and chew on your clothes because it's so terribly cute well then that kitten grows up to be a cat who still thinks it's okay to chew on your clothes it's not okay so People are the same way. You got to hold them accountable for the behaviors you want. And that means setting expectations and holding people accountable. And here's one of the problems. People are so fearful about people leaving them that they're not holding people accountable. As a result, your top talent is going, wait a second, you're not holding Joe Bob accountable. I'm doing all the work over here. You're not holding them accountable. I'm only getting paid $2 more an hour. They're not doing anything. Joe everybody's watching. And everybody's watching. So your top talent, a lot of people say, well, I try to treat everybody equally. It's patently stupid. If you're treating your top talent the same as you're treating your bottom talent, your top talent is going to leave you and they should. You deserve that. You're not holding people accountable. So other people who do hold themselves accountable, who are your great workers, they're going to find better places to work. They're going to be more appreciated, more respected, more listened to, and more valued other places. So when you're operating by fear, it means you're probably not holding everybody accountable and you need to. So imagine it's not a puppy, imagine it's a pit bull and you're not holding that pit bull puppy accountable. Now you got an 80 pound dog who thinks it's okay to chew on your, your wife's shoes. That's not cool. Um, she wouldn't be happy about that. So we've got to have an accountability system in place. But the other part of that is when we bring people in, we have to teach them, we have to train them, we have to onboard them. And most of us onboard in a horrible manner. We take excited people who are excited to work in our mechanic shop or in our salon or in our store. And then we put them through two weeks of absolutely miserable onboarding taught by people who are bad at teaching things. And we take these very motivated people and we turn them into people who just say, you know what, I'm just here to get a paycheck. And we yeah. demotivated them before we've even put them out on the floor. So a few things, we've got to change how we, how we bring people in, we've got to change how we hold people accountable, and we've got to look at our current employees and say, wait a second, when was the last time they got some really great training? When was the last time they got that shot in the arm that they need? When was the last time we let them know how important they are to this organization? And you have to look at it from a very holistic perspective on a macro level, but then as a very individual perspective on a micro level with that individual person, because leadership is individual. The same motivation that works for you doesn't work for me and vice versa. So as leaders, we've got to take a really big look and a hard look at how we're leading our people, how we're leading our teams, what our teams are expecting from us, what we're expecting from our teams, and how we are holding our people as well, which includes our managers accountable for getting things done. And David, I know you know this statistic, but 58% of managers have had zero managerial training. And then we wonder why they fail. Right. So Peter Principle, they got 
elevated to a place where they're no longer competent. I don't want to insult leaders, but, but we are coming out of crisis mode and we have to be much, much more intentional. Uh, you talked about, you know, week long excruciating onboarding process for those that do that. How many don't, how many young people say, listen, it's really easy. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. Really? Is it that easy? Take, take, take us back a little bit with your career, 20 years in, in the U.S. Navy, retired as a commander. Tell us about what you've learned during that time and how you apply that in your work today, the lessons that you learned, how it applies to business. Talk about your foundation and, and how that has manifested itself in your current thinking. Great thing about the military is that we take leadership very, very seriously. Leadership is not an afterthought for us. At the Naval Academy, your very first year, you start learning leadership and you get to learn from some of the best military leaders who have ever been on the planet, both historically and present day. And then you get in charge of people right away and you realize, wow, do I have a lot to learn? And many of my leaders, my senior leaders say, well, I've been doing this for 30 years. I say, and you know what? It's like going to the gym. When you're going to the gym, you still have to go to the gym because if you don't go to the gym, you're not staying the same, you're getting worse. And we've gotta be constantly looking at the leadership approaches to figure out how we're getting better every single day. And the military taught me that. They also taught me that I don't lead in a way that I need. I need to lead in a way that works for my people. And each one of my people is individual. So when you have 380 people, each one of those people needs a little bit different leadership from you at different times. And you've got to be the one who alters. You don't expect them to alter to fit your leadership model. You have to adjust to fit their motivation and what's important to them. And so some people, you don't, you don't need to talk to them very often. You're like, David, you got this. Yep. Yep. Got it. Got it. Other days it's David. So how's everything going for you today? What's going on? Is there something we should know about? How's there, you know, what, how'd you do with Mrs. Smith or Mrs. Jones? And what does that look like? David might need more words on Monday. David doesn't need any words on Friday individual leadership is exactly that it's individual. One of the exercises I do with teams is I ask people to put a great leader's initials at the top of a page. So people go, oh, Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela or Abraham Lincoln or whoever. Sure. And I say, great. So write down the leadership characteristics that they embodied. So they write down leadership characteristics. And then I say, okay, so how many of those leadership characteristics are what you're looking for in your leader? almost all of them. See, we tend to like the leadership characteristics of what works for us, but that's not what necessarily works for the rest of our team. And then you say, okay, so look at the list of the person next to you. And it's a totally different list of characteristics because we tend to look for the leadership characteristics that work for us. And those are the things that we tend to promote, but that may not be what our people need from us. And that's where a lot of leaders, I think, struggle. And I think that's also what gives rise to a lot of the personality profiles and the assessments as well to help us understand people differently. My father used to always say that we buy birthday presents that we like for other people. This is so cool. You'll love it. And real love, and we know that in our romantic relationships, of course, is when you get something for them that you know that they're going to love, whether or not you love it or not. My wife loves watching Bigfoot shows on TV. Not my thing. She thinks it's great and hilarious. I would get her something fun along those lines. How do leaders justify? And is that some of the pushback you get? Like, how much time do I have? I got 300 people in my, under my command or in my retail outlet or something else. How, what are some specific tactics that you teach to help them understand them on a deeper level individually? Part of that is making sure you you know your people well enough to know what motivates them. Do you know 
you know, their partner's names? Do you know if they've got kids? Do you know what kind of dog they have? Do you know what job they had before this? Do you know what job they're going for? Do you know where they would like to learn more about the organization? Do you know, you know, you're currently working in accounting, but you really want to work in marketing. Do we have a plan in place for you to do that? Look at it, look at the job from their perspective. And when you show them that you're looking at it from their perspective and you're crafting their future with them. One of the things that in the military, a lot of our promotions are sort of accidental. Some people probably are more intentional about it. I was never that smart, but nobody ever sat down and said, you know, hey, um, Ensign Kelly, hey, Lieutenant Kelly, hey, Commander Kelly, you know, where do you see your, your career going? Nobody ever asked me that question. Um, and you think that would be a good question to ask. So yeah. a lot of it is, where do you see your career going? Where do you see your role and responsibility changing? And for some people, I had one guy working for me and I said, hey, you know, you've, you've already done all these other things. You, do you feel like you're stuck in this job? And he looked at me, and goes, I need to tell you something right now. I like this job. I've already done all those other jobs. I've already had people working for me. I don't want that anymore. I am very happy. I am a first line customer facing person and I do not want to change. I like to show up every day, do my job, take care of my people. You never have to worry about me. I do not want to be promoted. I don't want the hassle. I don't want the responsibility. I'm happy. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Check that one off the list. I said, well, you let me know if that changes. Here's and my you number. you wouldn't have known if you hadn't asked. Correct. That kind of, because we make an assumption, don't we? That everybody wants to move up. I am. Um, I led CEO roundtable groups, as you know, for years. And I learned very early that don't make an assumption of what they, um, the individual members, the leaders of their organizations, what constituted success for them. You know, for some, it was growth. I assumed it was inevitable everybody wanted to grow. Some people's success means I take every Friday off and I can play golf or, or take my granddaughter to school in the morning or something like that. So it is part of that, that individual conversation. We're talking to Dr. Mary Kelly, Commander Mary Kelly about, about leadership. Let's pivot real quickly to the whole idea of future, um, future teams, future-proofing your teams. I know that's one of the subjects, one of the many subjects that you speak about when you work with organizations. What does that mean? So future-proofing your team means looking to the future to figure out what you can control and what you can't. You cannot control external shocks. You can't control a national pandemic. You can't control Russia invading Ukraine. You can't control a whole, you can't control what Will Smith is going to do on a stage. You can't control that. So you don't think Nobody about that. Can. Nobody can. You focus on the things you can impact, you can control, you can influence. And you ask yourself questions. Do I have control over this? Can I influence this? Can I help other people if I get involved? And if the answers to those things are no, then you don't waste your time on that. A lot of my leaders are very, they've gotten distracted. And part of my job is to help them focus on doing what's most important, prioritizing the things that are at hand, and then strategizing on where they need to go in the future. What market share do you want to capture? Who do you really want to serve? And then are your teams prepared to do that? And if not, why not? Many of our teams have been told, you know, go home, stay home. We'll call you when we want you back. And many people are pushing back and coming back. And here's a few reasons why. 19% of remote workers, they didn't tell you, but they're moonlighting. They have another full-time job. And while I'm on a Zoom call with you, I'm also on a Zoom call with somebody else doing another meeting. And that's why I've got my camera off because I'm double dipping. 19%. This is why our labor force participation rate numbers are a little bit skewed as to whether the data, what the data looks like. And they don't want to come back to work because they don't want you to know that they're actually working for another company at the same time. So there's a little bit of that. Part of your job is to make sure that your teams are 
all in, that they've got that buy-in, that they are subscribing to, and they understand the principal agent problem. That as an agent of the principal, which is the organization, they act like an owner, they think like an owner, and they are focused on the best interests of the organization and the people they serve and the people who work there. It's not, I'm a cog in the wheel and what I do doesn't matter. And when people feel that way or believe that way, or I'm just a number and it doesn't matter, then they think what they do doesn't matter. I'll give you a real world um, example of that. I was working with a landscaping company and I said, so what time do we get people out on the road in the morning? And they said, seven. I said, great. I said, so what time does everybody show up? They said, six. I said, okay, so what are we doing between six and seven? What's taking so long to get everybody in the trucks and out on the road? And they said, well, we're getting the vehicles ready. I said, Okay, hang on. So I showed up at six o'clock. And you know what I saw? I saw 180 people sitting around. They're eating breakfast. They're on their phone. They're playing cards. They're smoking cigarettes. I'm like, what are we doing? Well, they're sitting around waiting for the trucks to get ready. Well, how many people does it take to get trucks ready? 17. Well, why do we have 180 people sitting around? Well, to make sure they're here. Well, what we've just taught them is their time doesn't matter, that we don't care about their yep. time. And we're going to pay them to do nothing. And the problem there is then they get the idea that their time doesn't matter. What they do doesn't matter. So when they get on a job site, they don't think anything about sitting in the truck for an extra half an hour, having lunch, checking their Facebook page, playing a video game because their time doesn't matter. And the military kind of taught me this. You know, we all learn to march. And the whole purpose of marching is not to actually learn your left and your right. It is to create situational awareness so that you're moving as one, thinking as one, and mindful of the people around you. But a lot of people think, well, I'm in the middle of the pack and it doesn't matter until you look at it from the outside and you can see that it does matter, oh. that, that those people are off. And once we teach people that they don't matter and what they do doesn't matter, that is exactly what we're going to get. And I think, unfortunately, in an, in an effort to be sort of empathetic, but also because some leaders were afraid to make hard decisions, leaders have not held people accountable. And so our people have learned they don't really matter. What they do doesn't matter. So why should they bother? It's like our kids. We, we learn, right? What do they say? We teach people how to treat us. Or what do they say? The behavior that's recognized and rewarded is the behavior that's repeated. And if slacking off is rewarded or tolerated, in that as well. Once again, talking to Dr. Commander Mary Kelly. Uh, we, we could talk all day. Um, is Let me ask you this. Uh, one last thing. Is this, uh, how much change can you affect in a presentation? Is it about the wake-up call, the kick in the butt, the, uh, uh, the, the, the situational awareness and the recognition, or is it really require sort of an ongoing conversation? I view the talks that you and I get to do, David, as kind of a, a start, a really good start. And sometimes people just take that one hour or two hours and they can take it back to their team and they take the slide deck and they use it over and over. And then it has this wonderful cascading effect. Other people need tweaks more often. Uh, that's why I live to do, and you do it too, you know, maybe a follow-up webinar 90 days later, um, just kind of how you doing, keep the momentum going, keep that shot in the arm because people need that. Uh, people say, well, you know, uh, I don't necessarily need motivation every day, but you need reminders every day. I have a yellow sticker yeah. note on my computer that says drink water. We all know to drink water, but I need the reminders so that I constantly do it. And that's, I think, where we come in. We are the constant reminders. So somebody doesn't have to necessarily talk to me every day to remember some of the principles that we talk about. But if they see my book on their bookshelf, they go, oh, you know what? Maybe I need to, maybe I need to go talk to my people. Maybe I need to be looking at my teams. Maybe I need to be doing an onboarding job. So 
I rely on the fact that our brains are really powerful and that we do have these subliminal and subconscious things going all the time. So I love the idea that we get brought in for conferences and events. And then I love it when those get translated into corporate training opportunities and longer relationships. Right. And so you do that. I mean, you go there and actually work deeper with their teams and uh, full day and beyond. Yes. Absolutely. Like you do. Okay. I'm plugging you because I already knew the answer to that, but I know how damn good you are at that. And <laughs> as, as great as she is as a speaker, and she's I, I unexpectedly um, hilarious and great energy and brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, when she gets down to it, hold on. I mean, it is, it's intense and it's valuable and it's memorable, probably because it's so brilliant and intense. Um, but talk about keeping an organization engaged for hours on end or days on end. Nobody better. Mary Kelly, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they find you? My website is ProductiveLeaders.com. I'm Mary at ProductiveLeaders.com. And if they want my free stuff, it's ProductiveLeaders.com forward slash free. And there's a bunch of my best five-minute plans, things like that. And it's just free for y'all's folks just to go get it. And thanks so much for the very kind uh, words and the shameless plug. As you know, I love what we get to do. A lot of great resources. We will put some of those in the show notes as well, but at ProductiveLeaders.com. Mary Kelly, hang on. We're going to talk really quickly afterwards. Um, Quick closing, my own self-promotion. You can pick up a copy of my new book. The Morning Huddle, powerful customer experience conversations to wake you up and shake you up and win more business available everywhere. In fact, all of my books are available on amazon.com. Be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, leave your comments. That's the most important. Even if it's just a couple of words, tell everybody how brilliant Dr. Mary Kelly is. And um, you can click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes. You can learn more about my keynote speaking and my consulting at davidaverin.com. That's it. Thanks for tuning in to Customer Experience Advantage Podcast. Remember to leave a comment. Big thanks to my guest, Dr. Mary Kelly. I'm David Avern. Be good. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast with David Avern. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook, and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.